Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Hello Goodison Park. And welcome to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. My name is Joe Thomas. I am the Echo's Everton correspondent. And I'm joined by my colleagues Christopher Beasley and Paul Wheelock and regular contributor, our stats man, Gav Buckland. Probably one place to start. Obviously, it's a big game at the weekend. They're all big games at the moment. We know that. A trip to Chelsea, Stamford, wow. not to happy ground for the Blues over the past. Hopefully... Sean Dyche can change that. Chris, you were at Finch Farm yesterday for his pre-Chelsea press conference. Yeah. What was the gaffer like? Fair. Well, he, I mean, he, he was his, his usual self. I, was, um, I didn't have quite as much uh, the usual company al- alongside me there. Some of our national colleagues were, were still on their way back from Madrid, it was um, it would seem. So I uh, got to uh, possibly speak to him a little bit more than uh, usual um so he was glad to see a friendly face there um but um, yeah he, he seems unconcerned by everton's um long wait for a, a, a victory at Stamford bridge and he was just answering a lot of questions generally as people would have heard from the top table about everton's current predicament and what he's he's trying to do to to, to turn around the fortunes and what he said a lot in recent weeks it's just just this increasing of um standards and consistency across the board. If you're setting yourselves higher standards and you're striving for great consistency on a regular basis, the hope that that in turn will will bring results. And then um, there was the inevitable question on, on Dominic Calvert-Lewin, which will continue until he, he does return. And there uh, been a few whispers in recent times that Chelsea might be might just be the, the time when he, he does return. But if we're going by what the manager said on this occasion, doesn't look particularly promising for for a player, of course, who, who celebrated his his twenty sixth birthday uh, yesterday. Not that there's too much to celebrate uh, the Blues right now, but I mean, I think it would be fantasy football if you're thinking Carver Lewin comes on and completes his birthday week with a winner at, at, at Stamford Bridge. But I don't know. Stranger things have happened. I always find it quite strange when when reporters ask managers about longer away records and records that been in place for a long time and be especially ones that predate them and you know we all know that Sean Dyche is, is, is barely six weeks into his his Evan tenure. Gav I mean you're our stats man obviously you can talk yeah. to us about how many times it's been or how many games Evan have played at Stanford Bridge since the last one there and all that but just going behind the stats I mean do you, do you really have any interest in what Sean Dyche thinks about Evan's on being record at Stanford Bridge do you think he should when he's been asked, asked those questions? I don't think it's relevant, isn't it? It's a bit like saying, I do not last week about Everton not beating Brentford in the top flight of Goodison since like yeah, 1946 but... or something. You know, anything. 
that, that's it. Dreadful record if they played every season. Obviously, we've only played them, I think, four times in that, 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 that period of time. So, no, I mean, he's just um, not been nothing really to do with him. And I don't know how many of the players have um, been involved in those matches. I mean, I'd imagine there's only Seamus, so I would imagine. Maybe Jordan, to a lesser degree, played in quite a few. So, players just another ground, isn't it? I don't think they carry the weight of history with them. Uh, and uh, so I don't think it's, it's relevant and I think you, you always feel <laughs> that's the one thing being a manager not only do you carry the burden on the playing side of you know the bringing trying to get the best out of players who um, have been failing under the previous manager but you're also bringing in the previous managers and the test managers poor record across several grounds as well all of a sudden becomes your burden yeah. and it works both ways of course because the other way is you not lost the Stamford Bridge since 1995, you know. Dice, you know, Dice gets beat, then it's all his fault, then, isn't it? You know, you've had the great record and you've sports it. So, in many respects, you, 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 you sort of, you know, got the worst of both worlds, really. But I, know, I think he was, I didn't hear the full uh, Sanskrit, but quite right, quite right to bat off any questions like that. It's not his fault. Absolutely. Paul, I mean, one of the main talking points for this press conference as it has been for every pre-match and post-match press conference of Deitch's tenure, and a lot of Lampards as well, was obviously over Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Doesn't look like he's going to be involved on Saturday. Any surprises there? Uh, not really. When the, the whispers was in Sky before the, the actual press conference began, uh, saying that he, they hadn't pitched him in training. Obviously, they were there to, to interview Sean Deitch as well, probably before for the pre-match show on, on Saturday night. <laughs> No, I, I think it's probably the days are gone at the moment where it, it, it's really hope more than expectation of getting Don back fit, isn't it? He's clearly still not ready. And again, there's still a lot of football to be played this season. You've just got to hope that the two weeks after you know Chelsea on Saturday, before the Tottenham game on Monday, it's more than two weeks, isn't it? It's about 16 days in total. That gives him a, a better chance to be fit. But it, it, it's, again, reading between the lines, it's clear that any kind of little niggle he may feel or something he doesn't feel quite right to, to, to removing him from that situation and it's a shame And because as we've said many times on this podcast many many Evertonians would have said that we'll be a, a much better side with him up front but I think now we've just got to continue as we have been doing and when he gets back great if he doesn't we're just going to have to continue with, with Mopai they are great at the moment and, and Alice Sims Chris, Sean Dyche has been playing an interesting game, I think, with Dominic Calvert-Lewin because he's been yeah. there for about six weeks and yeah, it's been very, very rarely yeah. that he's ruled him out of games going into yeah. them. So yeah. we've almost ended up in a situation where a will-he-won't-he for each game. But obviously, with us now having gone you know, six weeks since Arsenal and him not being involved, it's clear that the, the initial issues were probably a bit more serious and they're perhaps letting on after that Arsenal game, the win, the first game of Sean Dyche when Calvert-Lewin played an hour of Having been there in the room with him yesterday, obviously Dyche yeah. was reluctant to kind of go into the setback. He is like he's a, he's difficult to pin down. Anything that doesn't want to give injury time frames, and clearly it's in his interest to be quite vague. And he tends to be a yeah. bit more than the Lampard was. But I mean, do you, do you get the impression? Uh, one, there's two questions. This is one: Do you think Calvert-Lewin's actually suffered a setback? And two, is there any fear that all of a sudden this has become? Less of let's get him to the international break 
then you can have the 16 days and hopefully getting back from the last 10. Is there any part of you that's now starting to fear whether this is actually even going to go beyond the international no. break? And anything that Everton get from him is a bonus now. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, how long's a piece of string, like you say, Joe? Um, Sean Dyche is the way he is, and I imagine a lot of managers like this, but you say perhaps even more so than Frank Lombard, he's, he's not giving you much away and he's not going to be sort of tied down to any sort of commitments he, he can't keep or aren't in his mind or sort of in Everton's best interest to, to let that um, knowledge come out. And uh, Corbett Lewin hasn't been doing a lot of stuff with the group anyway, has he? I mean, I know there was those pictures from the week before when it was snowing and he was in the amongst his, his teammates, but I think a lot of the time, I think he's been working on it his own anyway, hasn't he? But So I don't know whether this is, is a setback, as it were, or a, a retrograde step in terms of, of, of his um, fitness. Uh, what you you would think of it, if he, I know he, he went into the, uh, the World Cup break nursing no fewer than three separate injuries, but we were told the latest problem was, was the hamstring, and if that is the case... Um, you certainly hope that would have cleared up uh, long before the, the the season finishes. But you know, uh, who knows? In, in in lieu of any sort of medical detail, and we can understand why Everton had shouted to the re- rooftops. It, you know, if Calvert Lewin isn't got any more serious issue than we're led to believe that we 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 just don't know. I would I would hope that he he at least gets the chance to get back on the uh, on the pitch at some point between now and the the end of the season. Um, and uh, that he could actually stay fit there because I have to say that's the, that's the the big thing, isn't it? Just getting him back out there and get, keeping him out there. So I really don't know. I, don't, I would hope that you know it isn't something more serious and than, uh, than just recovering from from this hamstring niggle, as Deitch has called it. He suffered since the Arsenal home game. Gav, if if the prognosis for for Calvert-Lewin is gone from us expecting him to be back from Spurs onwards to simply hoping that he'll be back from Spurs onwards. What does that do for your thoughts on Everton's survival hopes going into the international break? Are you feeling less confident over the next 16 days where, you know, after the Chelsea game? Are you, you, know, are you dropping off the scale quite considerably now that you're not sure if, if Calvary is going to come back or actually are you already kind of prepared and think that Deitch might be prepared for life without Calvert-Lewin for a little bit longer than perhaps hoped for and maybe expected? I think it's the last thing, but far as base cons- bases concerned, I think um, what he says publicly, what he thinks of far as the two completely different things, and I suspect, given, I mean, it was, in- it was interesting to say, his statement that um, he wasn't in my, going to be in my plans for Chelsea anyway, because of the international break, so that, that, from that you would get, that he's probably like, Three weeks there, really more, you know, from last Saturday. I, 
So I, I'm with I I don't expect to see Carver Lewin a lot between now and the end of the season. Having said that, I think what we've shown under the last couple of games is we've got a system where Gray's playing a little up top. And we can get the midfield bending around the penalty box if he pulls that wide. I think we've probably got a system there that suits suits the team. I'd be it's not ideal, but because we're losing some of Gray's sets off the bench, and I'm a little bit confident that we can find the solution between now and you know for for, for the rest of the season. Um, based on that, really, and maybe we'll pay up with support. Right. So I'll help. I'm reasonably more confident now than what I was a fortnight ago, which I would say about whether Carver Lewin's missing or not. I mean, ultimately, as well, it doesn't matter, does it, Joe? You can't do anything about it. Dice can't do anything about it. No. You well, know? I mean, give him more time and that, but you know, you're right, and we can't do anything more about it. Yeah, I mean, I think there's an argument to say that. You're not something that is working. There was two of the last evidence of the last two games. That's the case. Then you know, would you want a half the Carvalhoom coming in, in any case? So it's an interesting one, but to me, I'm okay where we are at the moment, set up, sitting up top. And if you yeah. get the midfielders in around the goal, then I think uh, that's a workable solution between now and the end of the season. Paul, like like Gav says, there it feels like Dyche has stumbled across in the last two games a workable solution where everyone can still be a threat going forward against. Reasonable Premier League size, which we know Brentford having a great season, Forest have been pulled back into the relegation zone now. And what do you think this new way of of, of attacking Damari Gray up top, obviously looking to surround him with some of the centre midfielders, particularly Adelaide Decore? I mean, what are your hopes for that? How how successful do you think that might be against almost the next tier up of Premier League opposition? Because of course, it's one thing doing it against Forest, it's one thing for doing it for forty five minutes against Brentford. Evans' next set of games are Chelsea, Spurs, Manchester United. We know they've got Man City to play against again this season. They've got Newcastle to play against this season. Yeah, there's a significant number of, of matches against teams in the top half of the Premier League. Obviously, as those games come, the players will have more experience playing with this formula. I mean, do you think it's a, a formation uh, a tactic that can work against some of the better defensive outfits? Let's find out, aren't we? <laughs> Looking at our fixtures. Uh, to be honest, I, I, partly I think it's I think it's working, and I think it's the results or the sorry the amount of goals we scored probably doesn't suggest how well it's working. I thought first yeah. half against Brentford, first half against Villa, we've missed some chances, haven't we? Particularly at home, Anana's one not going to put us two yeah. up. It's an absolute sitter. I, I know Decore scored. Uh, at, at Forest, but was it against Leeds where he went one on one after Alice Sims played in? Yes, played Sims played in the race. The, the midfielders are getting chances. Well, we had a chance in the box, didn't they, against uh, yeah. against Brentford last time out? I think I think there's times in games where we're just not putting our chances away, really, uh, and that's going to make it hard in the second half because, as you say, if that's our starting a level with maybe Mopai to come off the bench, very hard to change things, really. Yeah. So even though. As Chrissy wrote after the, the game the weekend, Sean Dyche loves 1 0s, but I think right. much preferred it to have been 2 or 3, which it could have Terrific. been against, uh, you know, a half time against Brentford when I thought they were pretty good in the second half and they certainly had more options off the bench like most teams do. And we're going to find that massively, you know, in in these next three games in particular. You know, you look at Chelsea, I know they're having this poor season by their stands, but the squad's incredible. Tottenham are 
obviously got Richarlis on the bench most weeks, mm-hmm. the, that Juma on the bench most weeks, and then United. But I, it's going to be tough, particularly these next three games. But I don't think Dyke can do much more with the bodies and players he's got. It's about making the system as good as it can be. And I, I was pretty impressed against Brentford first half, and I understood the reason in the second half why, why they dropped off. I think the, the one thing he will want is just a bit sh- sharper finishing because we well, are creating chances. We are creating chances. Uh, so we're going to find out. It's it's re- it's just a, it's a tough end to the season for us anyway, isn't it? I think it's just things about being called heads now because Chelsea away, Man United away could be very, very difficult. And then Tottenham at home, we may come out of those three games with maybe not as many as points as we would have wanted. But I think I've seen enough for the games against Fulham, even Newcastle at home, Leicester away, Bournemouth home, Wolves away. I've seen enough so far to suggest that we can score goals and, and potentially get good points out of those those games, those kind of matches. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. And all of a sudden, Crystal Palace at the back end of April looks looks big. Because they've been dragged into it as well. And now they're on the managerial hunt, which is another interesting one, Chris. One of the other main topics of conversation from the open section of Sean Dyche's press well, conference yesterday was, was that of Connor Cody. Now, obviously, there's a degree of uncertainty with us all as to where Dominic Calvert-Lewin fits into everything in the plans for the rest of the season. Yeah. I think it's fair to say now, with Keane having started against Brentford, that Keane has gone to first-choice centre-back and Cody has been dropped. Um, yeah. I mean, what were your thoughts on, on, on Sean Dyche's comments towards that situation? They obviously, yeah, yes, they obviously... He praised Cody's professionalism. I think everybody is well aware of that um, in in the footballing world, and enough of those people have told us about it out for us outside of that that industry directly in that industry to be aware of it. But you know, be a blow to Cody. Dropped from the England squad as well. He wasn't in the Gareth Southgate's team. Um, Michael Keane, first choice, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. It's some unprecedented territory for Connor Cody. Not for a long time as he. Been in this situation, I mean, those two issues go hand in hand in terms of the being dropped from the Eng- England squad. Obviously, he went to the World Cup. Um, he was much more than a cheerleader, but I think he was he was a, a, a dependable figure who Gareth Southgate had a, a, around the squad who he did end up calling upon in the end. But you know, if he let's be brutal, if he, if he's not getting into uh, an Everton team who were just who were in the Premier League relegation zone until until the weekend and. Uh, are still very much in the relegation battle. If he can't get into uh, yeah. the Everton yeah. team, well, he's probably not going to get into the, the England national team. I mean, Tarkovsky and Keane are both England internationals as well, mate. You know, with if they're in the team and Cody's not, well, surely by default they're, they're ahead of him. But like I said, this is a position, Cody, I don't think since about the start of 2017, he's not been in this position. Played virtually every game for Wolves for five years. We missed one because of coronavirus. Um, quarantining and then just one at the start of this season when he was on the verge of being lulled out anyway it was already surplus to requirement at Wolves and um, Kevin Felwell going back in there to do a deal to to bring him to Everton very soon after that so he's gone from being you know that first name in the team sheet never never misses a game he's always available I mean of course he's available now he's just not being picked so could be a difficult position for, for Connor Cody and what seemed like an absolute shoo-in Earlier in the season, the fact that this um, loan deal would be turned into a permanent one at the end of the season, um, that was when Frank Lampard was manager. So 
No guarantees. Football can change a lot with it changing the manager, whereas things have gone the other way for Michael Keane. You know, he's gone from probably 30 plus, 30 or more Premier League games his first five years at Everton and then just 22 minutes this season, ironically at Brentford away as a substitute under Lampard, um, to be being first choice for the last three games and then a, a clean sheet on his Goodson Park return. So, interesting times for those two going in, in, in opposite directions. Yeah, there might be more changes between fluctuations and form or if injuries and suspension hit between now and the end of the season. I suppose it's the one area where Everton have got a surface of, of options and, and centre-back. Yeri Mina can't get a look in either. I mean, it's just total opposite to it. Other end of the park where there's not enough attacking options, but yeah, it'd be, be interesting to see to see how it goes and it shows you how quickly things can turn around in football. One loan deal that we know or looks very unlikely to be made permanent, even though there's an option there, is is that Deli Ali going to Besiktas? Yeah. It looks like that is going to be an unhappy conclusion to his time there. He's going to be back on Merseyside. It's going to be another issue for Sean Dyche to deal with and regardless as to whether or not Abs are in the Premier League or the Championship, it's going to be a complicated one. He's a player that obviously we know about the talent that he's got. He led England in a World, to a World Cup semi-final, played a star role in that tournament, Champions League final with Spurs, but we also know the story of what's happened since then and why he ends up at Besiktas by Everton. Gav, do you think, obviously, Deli is going to come back to Everton, he's going to have a year on his, his contract, he on significant wages, going to be hard to remove from the books you should think given given all that he's got a 10 million pound trigger if he plays another seven games can you see any way back for Deli Ali under a new regime at Everton or do you think he's going to come back into probably another summer where Everton are looking for fine opportunities elsewhere for him to maybe shoulder some of the financial burden I can see him playing another six games uh, <laughs> I mean, I think it's a bit like the Conor Cody thing, isn't it, really? It's easy to talk about players like Cody. I'm not saying that the situation of Cody and Ali are similar, but obviously not. The, the, the huge differences between them uh, for lots, lots of different reasons. But it, it's it's within both players' gifts, hasn't it, to, to ensure that in the first team, I mean, Cody was poor before Christmas, before the World Cup race. He was poor afterwards, so you can't complain if he's being put on the bench and maybe not get his, you know, get a contract in the summer from us. That's down to his own ineffectiveness. And and the same with Ali, is it really? Is that it's a player who's for lots of reasons has fallen fallen off the edge of a cliff since what since Pochettino left Spurs probably. So. Um, all of this really is in, is in Ali's course, isn't it? Really, and I can't see, I can't see a way, a future for him at Everton. Um, and even if he don't pay the ten million fee, if it's because he doesn't play enough games, he's still on, still on a few bob every week, isn't he? I don't know what his um, annual link, you know, annual salary was, but. Be uh, several million, wouldn't I? Would imagine, and the club still got a, that burden as well, regardless of the ten million. See, so uh, I don't know. It's up to him, isn't it? Really, you know, uh, I I can't see him play for Everton. I see another possible low next season somewhere, but given this track record, <laughs> they'll excuse or so. Who will want him? 
And what 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 would be the deal regarding his wages? Pete? I'm not sure. Seems seem very difficult. Difficult time ahead, really, first for Dali Ali. There's a lot of, um, I mean, he's not the only one as well, because obviously alongside Deli Ali, also coming back in the summer, we, we anticipate it will be Andre Gomez, who's not having a bad season at Lille, but also Jean-Philippe Gabamin, who's having a so-so season at, at Trabs on Sport. I mean, between those two, just looking back at them, those two started the second game of the 2019 season, uh, the 1-0 win over Watford that Bernard scored in Gomez and Gabamin yeah, yeah. in the midfield, £50 million worth of summer signings there. Unfortunately, in fairness to both of them, injuries have had a significant role. But I mean, you can just imagine that we've, we've already spoken a lot about how Frank Lampard's legacy was limited by the legacy of, of the decisions being made before at Everton. I think Sean Dyche is going to get a taste of that in the summer when all of a sudden these three players start walking into the dressing room and he realises that he's going to have to come to solutions for them as well, isn't he, Paul? Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> the captain he wants to be taking on in the in the summer. Everton's recruitment has been rightly criticised over the years, but with each three of those players, I do have a degree of sympathy for the club. You know, Gomez was terrific when uh, he was first on loan, and I think everyone was made up when the move was made permanent. Gabamin, we just will never know how good a player he could have become. He's been incredibly unfortunate. By uh, by the injuries he's had, and he, even Dali Ali, you know, I I thought I, I know I certainly said like to to you guys from my mates, I thought it was a gamble worth taking because just remembering what a player he was for Spurs in England, I know probably the the, the maybe the year to eighteen months prior to joining Everton, it, it definitely it definitely slipped slipped off the levels that he was that he previously reached, but I still thought. Given the fact that yeah, he's a, a roaring success. Everton paid a ten million. It may go up to forty million, but there was no doubt he was a 40, 50, 60, 70 million player at Tottenham. But it's not worked out, and I think of the three, I think that will be the most difficult one to do because I think, as you said, Joe there, Gomez. It sounds having a decent enough season at uh, at the Gabamin has had a couple of seasons out on loan now, so I'm sure he could get another move with Dali. It's it, Without knowing him personally, you you can't these cast these aspersions. But you've, the players, a player like that with the talent he had, for him to be getting banished from like the Besiktas squad at the moment, I, what has happened there really? And I've got to be honest, I know uh, in your piece that you've gone, uh, you've done today, Joe, that he did have some key contributions towards the back end of last season, obviously in the the win over Palace and the the, the cross through a Charleston goal against Leicester. You know, two results that effectively helped keep the the club in the Premier League, but. I'm sure it was the Brentford game when he came on, and I'm kind of reserved, fairly reserved at matches. And I just remember losing my rag for a little bit because I just didn't think he was putting the work rate in. Uh, I, I was shocked by the play he'd become when I seen him at Everton, uh, and I could, you, you could, and again, I know in your piece today again, Joe Lampard, you've used some of the books that Lampard had said about him, and reading between the lines now, they speak volumes of it. He was basically saying, you know. He's not putting enough effort in, in training, or he's not consistent enough in training. Unless yeah. he's having a, a bit of a road to Damascus kind of style, you know, thinking his head now, God, what's happened to me? I've really got to go back to Everton and pick my career up. I just, I just can't see it happening now for him, uh, and it, it's a difficult one because, as Gav said, I'm sure he's all a lot of money given his, given his reputation. Uh, yeah, that's a tough one for Sean Dyche. I just hope we're in the Premier League to make those decisions because if we're in the Championship, it becomes even harder, doesn't it? 
the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Absolutely, absolutely. Unless, like, I mean, part of me wonders whether Daniel Levy might have made a mistake and, and only stipulated it was it was Premier League appearances and not yeah. Championship appearances. But I very, very much, uh, I very much doubt that. Um, Chris, I mean, with that one final thing on Deli Ali, it did become a bit of a theme at the back end of his Everton career that or before his loan move that Lampard was kind of referencing his attitude and training or the need to train and be professional um, a lot. One person, one manager that certainly isn't, obviously Lampard didn't didn't buy into it himself, but there's no place for any of that in Sean Dyche's uh, set up. Is there? He's not going to, he's not going to sanction anybody who he doesn't believe is given absolutely everything. If that is indeed what the issue is with Delhi. Yeah, I think the whole thing's a nightmare and would have been whether Dyche had come in or not. I certainly wouldn't think he was is Dyche's player. Um, I mean, if he was at the same slot of levels that he was a few years ago, of course he'd be he'd be anyone's player. But you know, it's, not, it's it's really sad. People have said, "Well, I just don't." Some people think that he, he doesn't have the appetite for it anymore. But it can't be as simple as that. It can't be as straightforward as as, as that. Yeah. Um, Given what he achieved, you can't sort of just fall off a cliff in those sort of levels of, of performance uh, the way he has. Because uh, the problem isn't an ability one. That's the thing. He, he could go down the divisions. I think he, unfortunately, he'd still be struggling. Delhi Ali has more than enough talent to be tearing it up in the Turkish league now. If if, if he if he wants that, I re- if if anyone could provide an answer, people who are in the inside of football who've done have been professional people in football all their lives, if they can't find an answer. Even like for ourselves, you know, you know, we know it's, we're we're paid to talk about football, but you know we're still laymen at the end of the day. So, if people within football can't find an answer, I think it's a very difficult solution. I just don't know where Delhi Ali goes from there. Like you say, Daniel Levy is notoriously canny in these kind of deals. I don't think he's going to let it slip that you know he's there's some sort of cl- um, loophole in there that doesn't include the championship. But uh, we don't want to go there. We don't want to consider this, but. You know, if you've got that nightmare scenario that Everton are in the championship, I just can't see Deli Ali being a big part of those plans, even if that ten million clause wasn't in there. So I just think it's a non-starter. But unfortunately, the the big question is how do you offload and he's Everton's problem to to offload now, and, and it's it's a it's a, a great shape for all concerned. Absolutely. Well, there's plenty of things for Sean Dyche to take a look at there, but obviously those are issues which. He doesn't even have to begin to think about really until yeah. the summer. Before then, we've got the whole attempt to survive in the Premier League first. Obviously, things look a lot better than they did following the win against Premier The table looks a little bit better. I mean, there were some fantastic results the other night for Everton, weren't they, Gav? I mean, I know it's concentrate on your own games, look after yourself, etc. But, I mean, I don't know about you, but when it got to stoppage time, I was sitting there looking at Brighton and Brentford saying, oh. hold on, lads, hold on, were you doing the same? Um, you, you know what? More, I didn't even know what he was playing. I didn't even know what he was playing. I saw something on social media saying the good night forever, and I just thought they met Liverpool get knocked out the Champions League. And somebody mentioned something, I, I can't remember, Solly March or something. I tell you, there's always by his first name as well. He's one of the players with me. Um, and um, I thought this is this is a bit odd. What's going on here? And then so I checked the results, and as you say, so <laughs> Brentford have done a city of famous recently, and uh, 
Brighton. Um, both um, both uh, helped us. And, yeah, they, but they, 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 this can change quite quickly, by the way. We've had a good run of fixtures in our favour. It can change in a short period of the time, horribly. And I, I was asked about, asked about this yesterday. Was it was, was it sort of seven of the, our last ten games or something is against teams at the top half? We're not playing a lot of the teams in the bottom half who are under threat. He said he doesn't really care about that. You know that's quite right. You just got to, you, you know, you just got to make your own, you know, reality and and make sure you get your own points on the board and what you about other people about what they do. So yeah, it was good, good to say. But ultimately, it's within our gift, isn't it? You know, if we win five, five or six of our last, whatever it is, eleven, ten, get twelve games, then we're going to be okay, aren't we? But and as we said, well, five or six wins out of the last eleven. I will tell you that, Gav. Yeah, I'd say that'd be. I'd tell you what, the ball we could be in the uh, the conference league next year with that. Uh, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, but it, it is. We, we have to be careful, don't we? Because we've got three tough games, and and the thing is, I mean, again, you get all stuffy about this stuff, can't you? But if there's nine teams involved at, at any any weekend, two of those teams are probably going to play each other. Yeah. Probably going to be two fixtures where they play to that. So if you get beaten your game, you know, guaranteed that at least two of the teams at the bottom in your group are going to get points because they're playing another team in your group. So, um, and we've got three tough games coming up. And I know there's fixtures between the teams at the bottom against each other in the next three weeks. So they're guaranteed points at the bottom. That's and I said that last week in two weeks, you know, oh, sorry, because it's in Sasabay. In three weeks' time, the table could look completely different if we don't get points in the next three matches. So, as I say, forget about what other people do. We've got to try and get our own, uh, own bank of points. Chris, I'm going to ask you this briefly because Sean Dice is convinced that you're always on dates. Were you, uh, were you, following, yes, those yes. Were you following those fixtures on Wednesday and Wednesday night? I, 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 I or were was. you too busy? Or were you no, too busy? I was, Joe. <laughs> um, I, I, I was, yeah, I was, I was on. Centre hooks as I, as, as I briefly went on to uh, online to, to check them. Yeah, Gab's, Gab's right though. The way it waxes and wanes, you know, we're not being negative here. Um, but it, in, given that the fixtures ever do have come up, and, and as Gab points out, he, he's whereas I was probably more on it on Wednesday, Gab might be on it more for the next few weeks, pointing out that those teams at the bottom are playing each other. If that is the case, then so yeah, we've got to prepare, strap ourselves in for. You know, not looking so good in a few weeks, but there's no reason why if Everton can't continue their general upturn and form that they that they can't keep that um, up over over the piece. And uh, I think, like I said in the last pod, I think it's it's better for Everton that there are now nine teams involved in this rather than just like uh, four or five. Just as an explainer for those who are listening, Chris Beasley's the best dressed man in the Liverpool Echo office. He's also <laughs> he's also the best dressed when he goes to Finch Farm. So his press conferences. Yeah. And Sean Dyche has already pointed this out and, and believes yeah. that it's normally because Chris might have somewhere better to be after he's been yep. to Finch Farm. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have the visual for this anymore. But you know, <laughs> I, I can assure I'm you right now that Chris Beasley is wearing a suit in his in his bedroom <laughs> just to just whilst he's doing this. Not oh, looking like it, a it, 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 it looks more like a person suit, not an uh, No, I look <laughs> like I'm about to rob something in a cartoon. Yeah, <laughs> 
Paul I don't want to labour this because obviously we've covered Vale and they've got to concentrate on themselves but Patrick Vieira going any surprise to you obviously I think Crystal Palace now are in the relegation battle aren't they uh, surprised on one hand because he did an absolutely terrific job last season because they were left with a shell of a squad weren't they right. uh, after Honshin left I think they had seven or eight first team players they got a lot of the old members of that squad left on free transfers and some of the the deals he did and some of the plays he's brought through have been fantastic. Uh, you know, the centre-back and captain, Oisei, I really enjoy watching. I have enjoyed watching Palace over these last couple of seasons. But then, when you read the, the reasons behind his sacking today, it's, it seemed it seemed a reluctant one from what Steve Parrish said in his, uh, in his statement on the club website. But they'd gone 12 games uh, without a win, 11 in, uh, in the Premier League. And... As Chris referenced, then there's nine teams in there. You know, the twelve is there eleven for twelve, twelve maybe, uh, and three points above the bottom three. And you know, like every club in that scrap, you can't afford to go down given the finances are involved. So, I I, I know we've referenced this on the pod before and in pieces that you guys have done for the Echo, but it felt like Deitch's uh, always triggered a bit of a chain reaction, hasn't it? You know, uh, Everton kind of went first. And I'm pretty sure if Deitch was on the market now, I think Southampton would have looked to them. I think Leeds would have looked to them. And I think certainly Palace, who've been living in the past, uh, I think he's been close to getting the Palace job in the past, uh, would have looked to them. So, yeah, I'm not surprised. Shame, because I think Vieira did a good job, but it's uh, it's just gone wrong recently. Uh, but who's out there now? You know, that's it. That That's the interesting thing. You know, the fact that... Uh, Leeds certainly didn't get the first choice, did they? Even though I think they've got a pretty good manager, uh, the guy who did well with Watford, and obviously Southampton have gone with a, a fairly inexperienced choice. It'd be quite interesting to see who, who Palace go for. But a bit like ourselves, Palace, we've got some really good players, but they're lacking goals. And uh, yeah, I think they could be in, in the mix with us and, uh, and every other team uh, to, to work until the end of the season. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Absolutely. Well, that's everything else. Now we'll turn attention to, to Chelsea. Obviously, myself and Chris are going down to Stamford Bridge on Saturday for that. Very lucky, of course, and hoping to bring back some some points from from London. Yeah. Chris, any changes that you would you make any changes on Saturday to start and line up from Brentford? Short answer, no. Um, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't think there's much he, he, he can do. There's an option there if he we uh, talked about um, how in football chances can come along a different. Um, ways and Ben Godfrey got a chance because Vitaly Mikolenko was ill and now uh, Vitaly's back fit again came on as a, as a substitute in he late on against Brentford so there's an option there if, if he wanted it obviously to revert into the centre-backs who we had before but why is he going to do that after a, after a clean sheet so oh. unless he's got some mad one up his sleeve and Calvert-Lewin is fat fit and firing and that, that that you know it's, it's unlikely it seems so yeah I'd, I'd say same again for for me and I think that'd be the, the right way to go I mean he spoke about how the Marty Gray's been a bit different up front than you know your tip what you would see is your typical Deitch centre forward I had my piece about how Deitch had told me giving him a, a license to thrill as it were um, he was treating him a bit different than his other centre forwards um, we we compared him to to James Bond there the spine being. Denied what would have been his 007th goal of the season uh, against Brentford. But yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd go the same. I think that the 4 5 1 at Stamford Bridge is. Um, so it's, it's a shame he doesn't have the opportunity to chase it, to change it because 
we're seeing off the bench there's not a lot more that he can sort of bring in to change things around so I can't really see him going much different at Stamford Bridge no good trouble everybody for a score prediction now Chris I'll start with you what are you going for oh okay stick with me I, 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 I would be positive and say that although then, then I don't see them ending this streak without victories at Stamford Bridge. They have, over this period, managed to get quite a few draws there over the years, and you'd certainly take that, I would imagine, yeah. now. So it, it might not be one... Uh, it might make uh, Everton last a match of the day again, maybe, but nil-nil. Gav? Um, I, I was interested to see before that 40% of Dice's Premier League wins have been by 1-0. Only uh, Tony Pulis has got a higher ratio of uh, 1-0 wins as a Premier League manager. But I'm not going to go with that. I was just pointing that out, you know, for intelligence future 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 uh, score uh, forecaster. Uh, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with nil nil. I can see us keeping a clean sheet tomorrow. And uh, the only thing about thing about tomorrow that I'm concerned about is. Is it me or is the five thirty kickoff of a Saturday just being a complete not a graveyard for us over the years? Well, I um, don't know. We'll have to pick that one out in the stats. I think you've had the deep stock in London. This season we've had what we were, we were nil nil at Fulham. That was five thirty, wasn't it? The, the really bad defeat at home to Leicester that two nil just before the internet, uh, just before the World Cup break. That was five thirty, I think, wasn't it, on a Saturday? Yeah. So I, I think. I'm, I'm trying to think the last time one of five thirty under a crowd with the crowds, seeing away from was West Ham on the silver, and that, that was four years ago. So um, we're not got a great record of five thirty, but I'm going to stick with the goalless uh, goalless straw. Defeat at Tottenham was five thirty on a Saturday as well. Paul, what are you going for? Uh, yeah, I, yeah. Chelsea come into this game in pretty good form I watched them against Dortmund and thought they were excellent uh, but I, I believe against Leeds and last of the victories they enjoyed over those it wasn't completely one-sided they don't score many goals we're just looking on the table when Gav was speaking then they've actually only scored seven more goals uh, this season than Everton which wow. given the uh, <laughs> amount of money they've spent since the takeover is absolutely remarkable uh, they don't concede many either it's really hard but I, I, I might go with Gav and Chris and I might go with a, a nil-nil and like I think they in the meet. same way that Southampton at United last weekend obviously they were helped by the, the sending off of Casemiro if we can get a point there it'd be absolutely huge you know uh, a, a win yeah <laughs> first time since what 94 just after Joe Rowe took charge yeah that'd be absolutely incredible if we can end that long run but no I, I, I'm quietly confident we might be able to get a point so I think that'd be a, a fantastic result that's a clean sweep in nil-nil so far. It was a clean sweep of one nils last week. Never be got it right. So I, I feel like I'm I'm almost committed to having to go for the same here. So uh, I'll go with nil-nil as well, just in the hope that we can replicate our success from uh, from, from from last week. So I'm going to go against my instincts and go. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what they were. I'm wow. going to go nil-nil as well, and we'll see if the magic of the royal blue can continue <laughs> for another week. That's been the Royal Blue Podcast, everybody. Thanks very much for joining us. We'll be back on Monday with all of our all of our analysis and our review of what's happened at Stamford Bridge. Hopefully, we're all smiling, celebrating at sure. least another point into the uh, into the bank for Everton. Thanks very much for joining us. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.